0: you, I'm part of the faculty in a strategic leadership curriculum. I want to mention a couple things about the program just in case you would like to look up additional information or have any interest.
1: The strategic leadership program is
0: designed and focused on serving working professionals such as yourself. There are flexible degree completion options, There are options that are fully online. There are options available for statewide campuses, including MESA. And something else that is also unique about the program is we use short format classes in a structure that's only eight weeks long for each course. It is a 90-30 program, so prior and past credits may be able to transfer into the program if you're working towards a degree. And on the slide there, it is affordable. There are a couple options there uh, to make the program affordable. Another unique aspect of the program is that the instructors and faculty that are part of the program and teach, and instruct the courses are experienced business professionals. They've been in the corporate world and some of them have even founded and started their own company. There's a sampling on the slide of some of the courses that are included in the Strategic Leadership Program. For instance, Strategic Decision Making, Leading Innovation and Change, Thinking Like a CFO, Great Organizations and Operations, and Managing High-Performance Teams. So that's just a sampling of some of the courses that are part of the Strategic Leadership Program at NAU. If you do have any interest, or just simply want to learn more at the bottom of the slide there is a phone number an email address and there's also the URL
1: that will give you additional details about the program so without any further ado let's start in to the core content for today leading innovation I want to start With some background around innovation theory. Now, don't
0: worry about the word theory. A lot of times, theory scares people as far as the in depth kind of mathematical theory. So, we won't be talking about that today. This theory is very applicable and gives you a framework and guidance on how to think about innovation. So, the theory is the theory of jobs to be done. Or simply jobs theory so those two terms are interchangeable if you see one it is the same as the other no difference one in the same and this theory is based on the teaching of Clayton Christensen And I just want to mention initially here the fundamental driver of innovation success which is the root of jobs theory is intimately linked to understanding the true causal mechanism of customer behavior again something that people will look at and, and and read differently it's not casual mechanism it's causal what causes customers to behave the way they do and make the selections and choices that they do so the fundamental driver is linked to the causal mechanism of customer behavior keep that
1: in mind today So jobs theory
0: provides guidance in answering core innovation questions. So three fundamental questions are as follows. How a company should innovate, where to look for, for new innovation opportunities, and what products or services a company should create that customers are willing to purchase. So those are three core areas the jobs theory will provide guidance and a framework around to help guide you down that path in making
1: certain decisions. Now, some of the
0: terminology here is is a little different. You know, job is one, you look at a job and people think of something just related to employment. But in this theory, jobs theory, a job is defined as the progress that a customer desires to achieve in a particular set of circumstances. So again, think of a job as the progress that someone wants to achieve, and the context or the particular set of circumstances is obviously vital to understanding that job and how customers are going to behave in those selection processes. So understanding the core drivers and causal mechanisms of customer behavior and selection is vital and critical to the innovation process.
1: So innovation,
0: a lot of people, when they think of innovation, they think of, I've got to invent something, a new product, a new thing, a new widget. Sometimes that's not the right way to think about innovation at all. So when you think about innovation, think progress, not products, and we'll explain in today why that makes sense. So again, innovation, think progress, not features, functionalities,
1: products. Progress is the way to go.
0: And to augment on top of progress, you have to think about progress in a particular set of circumstances so context is very important you need to think about not only the functional dimensions the social dimensions may be very important along with emotional dimensions and then something else to consider too is dimensional priority and certain trade-offs that customers may be willing to make within those dimensions so for example
1: if a parent is looking for child care for their son or daughter, right? They're looking to hire
0: a job for that particular progress to help with the child care for their son or daughter. Obviously, there's a functional dimension of that, but there's also probably a very large social aspect, a social dimension. And very much so, emotional dimensions in that selection process as well. And in that particular example, some of the social and emotional dimension aspects may be much more important to a parent than some of the base functional dimensions. So, something to think about. Again, innovation, think progress. And in that progress, you have to remember context: functional, social, emotional, and
1: priority within those set of dimensions as well.
0: So jobs theory, it's not going to tell you what to think about innovation. It's not going to point you to say, this is what you need to do, step by step. It's going to teach you how to think about innovation, right? So think about it from a learning perspective as well. If someone tells you exactly what to think, it's very finite. If they teach you how to think,
1: then the possibilities are unlimited. So again,
0: think about the job or the progress that your customer is trying to achieve and dig in to find the causal mechanism
1: that drives your customers to hire your product or service. That's going to be the root of jobs theory. Another point to remember that is
0: critically important when you think about jobs theory, the theory of jobs to be done, when you're looking at jobs, when you're trying to discover jobs, remember jobs should be exactly that. They should be discovered and not created. So if you create a job, you actually may be creating something that is not going to fulfill a need based on your your customers. So you actually have to discover what progress they're trying to achieve in their life and why they want to, quote, hire your service or your product or your solution. So remember, jobs should be discovered,
1: not created. Okay, I'll pause there for a second in case there are any questions to this point. All right, let's
0: continue. So now you have a basic understanding of jobs theory around innovation, kind of the, the, what the job is defined, how to look at it, the circumstances, the context, and also kind of the basic understanding of why People would
1: want to hire your job let's talk a
0: little bit about job hunting again don't be fooled by the name job hunting is not just simply going out and, and looking for employment but in the context of the theory job hunting is how do you find these jobs that need to be done these customers they have jobs that they're looking for that they want to go hire, right to obtain certain progress in their life. So job hunting is essentially discovering jobs that
1: need to be done by customers.
0: So first of all, let's look at the first bullet here on this slide. There's actually five categories for job hunting. Let's take a minute here to talk about each one. So finding a job close to home. A lot of jobs have been discovered just purely from personal need in your own life. You come across and you have progress that you wanna make in your life and something just may not fit the bill. There's not a solution out there that's perfect that you find that you can employ to to make that progress. So for example, Khan uh, Khan Academy is is a great example. If you know Khan Academy, online learning, you know, that started from a truly personal need within a within a family. You can you can Google Khan Academy and look at the history and see how that started, but it all came about from a personal need within a within a family for education. All right, let's move on to the next one. Competing with nothing. So this may seem kind of odd. So competing with nothing. But also you need to understand that. When you look to try to discover and find all the aspects around a job, right, that the progress is needing to be made by someone, an option is non consumption. So competing with nothing, right? So look and see if people aren't selecting your product or your service, that may tell a pretty complete story and give you some really important information as to maybe your solution is not meeting the needs of that core job. So competing with nothing really boils down to the consumer choosing to do nothing rather than choosing a solution that may only partially fit or may only partially work. So workarounds and compensating behaviors. You may see Consumers use a product or or something that it's not really intended for that particular use, but they have a job that needs to be done, uh, progress that needs to be made, and they do something in kind of a different or unique way. And they may make something work, but it may not be a complete solution. So that may be a clue as well as far as discovering a job to be done where workarounds and compensating behaviors are employed by customers
1: to fulfill a need. The fourth
0: area for job hunting is look for people or look for what people do not want to do. So an example here is, in recent times, you've seen urgent cares pop up everywhere. You've seen minute clinics be created. So, people didn't want to go to the doctor if they're sick, wait there for an hour or two, maybe call in the morning and, and not get in for a couple days, right? It was a long, drawn out process at times. So, people didn't want to wait. They didn't want to be distracted from their normal structure of the day. So, then You had minute clinics pop up. You had urgent cares pop up to fill a need where people did not want to do kind of the traditional
1: uh, offering of your typical
0: doctor's appointment office. So that area, look for people do not want to do. It may uncover some jobs that need to be solved. And then unusual uses, kind of related to workarounds and compensating behaviors in a way. An example here would be um, Arm & Hammer baking soda, right? It started as baking soda, and now you see it in a lot of other cleaning products, right? It was an unusual use and something that wasn't the intended use at the very beginning of that product's existence. Okay, so job job hunting, discovering jobs to be done, those five areas, keep those in mind.
1: As we said before, context
0: and circumstance is very important in the relationship to jobs theory. So keep in mind the importance of context, the functional, social, and emotional dimension. What that will reveal is it may show you some related impact to how you want to uh, position your product or your service Right. And also, it may give you more information around how you want to market your product or your service. So context and a set of circumstances
1: is very important. OK, again, I'll pause there for a second to see if there are any questions to this point. All right, let's continue. So the job to be done. So
0: is it easy to understand the core job to be done, the progress that needs to be made by a set of customers in a certain set of circumstances? Absolutely not in most cases, right? Properly understanding a job to be done, it can be very challenging in practice. Right? There are a couple reasons for this. Sometimes customers, even if you ask them, they're not able to express exactly what they want or what they need. Their story, their explanation may actually tell a slightly different scenario. So that's something that when you're speaking with customers and trying to figure things out, you've got to understand that sometimes you know, they're not going to tell you exactly what they're looking for another area as we mentioned before which is a little bit more difficult is that non-consumer base right why are people not choosing your product or your service trying to get their story is a little bit more difficult but if you can find out why non-consumers are selecting something else or selecting nothing at all That could give you some big clues in the innovation process. So careful observation and interaction with customers and sometimes with non-consumers will certainly assist in
1: understanding the core job to be done. A
0: couple other points that I wanted to make here. So there's something we call the big hire and the little hire. So for example, in a product situation, The big hire would be when a consumer actually purchases that product. They take it home, they unwrap it, and they use it for whatever intended purpose. And if it's a non-consumable item, then we have this thing called the little hire. And that's, do they use that product every day, every week, every month? Or did they use it once and they may never use it again? So a couple things to consider there. The big hire, sometimes easier, obviously, to collect data around. The little hire, not so much. A little bit more challenging. That's where those customer interactions can really help. Something else to consider and and keep in mind, customers hire, right? They hire something to complete that job, that progress they want to make. But they also fire.
1: Customers can fire that solution,
0: and also too, as we'll talk about here in a couple seconds, you have to look at the change. If customers are gonna switch solutions, that means they're gonna hire something new, but they more than likely have to fire something old to move on to that new solution. Another technique to help you understand And develop a full understanding of the job to be done could be using a storyboard tactic, kind of like what movies do when they create a movie. They storyboard out the situation to look at everything from different angles, different perspectives. So, when you have a job to be done and you understand the progress that someone is trying to make in those set of circumstances, doing a storyboard situation can actually help you understand that job to be done. So you can see the different angles, the different perspectives, and come up with a solution that is going to meet those demands. And consider the forces compelling change. As we said before, customers hire and customers fire. So there are forces that are going to compel people to change and choose a different solution. And there are also forces that oppose that change as well. So think about those forces in that storybook storyboard. Um, tactic in laying out the job to be done and all the descriptions.
1: Once you understand
0: that job to be done and you really have that core understanding, again, it's not trivial, can be very challenging. The next job is, or the, the next step, I should say, is you've got to develop a solution that solves that progress desired by your customer base now obviously developing a solution before understanding the job to be done doesn't make a lot of sense right when you look at this theory and you see that a lot of times Uh, you'll see a product that maybe there's a lot of hype around the product and, and 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 it does well for a short amount of time but then it disappears in the marketplace and it's because there really wasn't a job to be done. There was some hype, but then it faded away because it really didn't solve the job. There was no progress people were, were trying to make you know, centered around that particular service or product. So understanding that core job to be done and then coming up with a solution that solves that job, that's the right way to go. Also too, remember experience. Experience is critical in so many products and services. So perfect solutions integrate experience into that total solution package, right? And often, based on the experience that goes along with the service or the product, if that experience is at a level that is well above any competition and really solves the job, right? Really meets the progress that's trying to be made, a lot of times those solutions can command a premium price. And then many times the branding then turns into a purpose brand. A purpose brand simply is something that people recognize they're synonymous with your product and a particular job to be done. For example, if someone mentions Uber, You know exactly what that's going to do for you. If someone mentions Kleenex, again, it's a purpose brand. You know, it's not a facial tissue. People say, can I have a Kleenex? Product is really a facial tissue, but they know that brand, that it is synonymous, one and the same.
1: Okay. Before we move on, any questions? Okay, let's continue then. What I like to call
0: a job centric mindset. Let's talk about that for a minute. So, the customer job specification, right? The job, what they're trying to do, the progress they're trying to make. So, that customer job specification, it's got to be the focal point for your solution. Now, just don't think about that from a standpoint of a solution from a product or a service. But think of it also as a solution around your company, your organization. So you must have processes, integrated processes, that are focused around delivering that job, meeting the demands of that job. And your structure, your organizational structure, should also be set up. And the framework of that structure should keep the job in mind. A lot, of time, a lot of times, companies are not structured. They're structured more from, a, from an internal standpoint, a geography standpoint. And they're not always focused around the job, which could be detrimental. And then, of course, the experience, your provided experience has to be focused and centered around the job. So, for instance, I'll give an example here. So OnStar, which is a service from General Motors, is a service in your car, right? And they can provide a lot of different things, diagnostics on your car. They can provide directions. They can provide help in emergency situations. They can detect uh, certain things about your vehicle. Um, so when OnStar was created, they didn't even really know what the job was they were trying to fulfill. It was kind of neat technology and, and, uh, you know, something like that would attract customers. And then they realized we're, we're missing the point. Then they realized, well, what does OnStar do? What job are customers purchasing OnStar to do? And they realized from this, you know, jobs theory approach is customers are actually, they, they want, they're buying peace of mind. And then once they realize that, they integrated their processes around that aspect, around that job, providing peace of mind to the customer. They changed their organizational structure to allow for different decision-making and different processes you know, to, to deliver on that promise you know, as far as that core job, that peace of mind. Um, and it really then provided the whole experience. So it's kind of an interesting case study. If you want to look at that, it's OnStar. And you can see why a job-centric mindset can really change your organization, how you're structured, what processes you employ. So keep that in mind as as a really good example. Again, the customer job specification must be the focal point for your overall solution. Many times companies look at operational efficiency as a key. Not that it's not important. Efficiency is certainly important, but it may not be aligned to the job that you're trying to solve. So keep that in mind. And also too, if you can, develop targeted metrics to measure performance aligned with solving the customer job to be done. A lot of times, again, KPIs, key performance indicators, targeted metrics, they're all focused internally and don't have a linkage back to the customer or at least the customer's job to be done so keep those points in mind too as you may change your organization
1: metrics and processes
0: a couple other points here around the job-centric mindset so staying focused on the job to be done is so vital
1: so critical there's a fallacy of passive data and
0: active data sometimes out there in organizations. So sometimes passive data, which many times is focused on the job to be done, the progress someone's trying to, to make, a lot of that subjective passive data is ignored.
1: That could be
0: extremely damaging, right? And a lot of times organizations only focus on active data. You know, what are the numbers telling us? Let's look at this number. Let's look at that number. Let's look at this figure. Many times that data is focused on internal operations only and efficiency. And as we said a second ago, sometimes that does not have anything to do with the job to be done from the customer perspective. So keep that in mind, the difference between passive data and active data and how you use that within your company. So stay focused on solving the core job, and over time, solving the core job better.
1: So let's move on to the job-focused
0: organization. So when you are organized as an organization, as a company, around solving that core job, that progress that someone wants to make, so here are a couple benefits enables distributed decision making with intended purpose again if you look at onstar this is you know a, a point that will be shown very clearly in that onstar situation right where they changed their organization their processes to align with that core job of delivering peace of mind and that really allowed their team members to make decision making with intended purpose centered and focused on that job. Another benefit of job-focused organization is it aligns resources against what matters most and what should matter most. Delivering on that promise to fulfill that job right of that customer. That job of that customer they want a certain progress and you're delivering a solution to meet that need. So keeping that in mind certainly will align resources against what matters most. It also unifies the culture of your organization.
1: It inspires people, it aligns people, it
0: directs them to that one most important cause. Another benefit, as we talked about before, if you have metrics that align, you're going to measure what matters most. And then you'll be able to change and tweak and more to make sure that the job is at the core of what you do. And with all those other things put together, efficiency will come along. It really will enable lean operations in your
1: company, in your organization.
0: So, to sum up, theory of jobs to be done or jobs theory, right? Look for that job, try to define that job. Where people are looking to hire that job to fulfill certain progress that they want to make in their life. I know the terminology is a little different, but once you understand it and get used to it, it really does make a lot of sense. And if you are focused on that solution and focused on that job and understand those, then you won't be leaving your innovation success up to luck. So don't depend on luck for your innovation success. Leave that to your competition.